Well, good morning, family. That was great worship. We've had both services. Good worship. Not that it isn't always, but I just, this is why I come to church. This is why I come here, so I can have worship like that. That's great. Well, um, if you've been with us, uh, we've been doing our study in Joshua, I think 11 weeks, and uh, and really talking about um, spiritual battles, spiritual warfare. It's a book really on on fighting, and uh, it's... You know, it, it's translation to us in our time and what, um, you know, the new, new covenant that we have in Jesus really is learning the principles of battle and they're great. Um, but today I just, just felt like I was to take a break from that and, uh, and, and go to something that I think has been on our hearts, most of us, as we've watched things unfold in Afghanistan and uh, in the news cycle that we're, we're watching right now and everything that's there, and really wondering kind of where does this all fit in our lives? I mean, where does this fit in, in the world? And, and there's a lot of confusion going on. And it, it's always good to get back to the scriptures on these things and because the Bible helps us make sense of a world that makes no sense without God's word. And so um, I was, I, I think, I was thinking of the fact that what is taking place in Afghanistan is absolutely predictable. And uh, I know our government didn't predict about the military stuff, and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about predictable from a biblical viewpoint of where Afghanistan would eventually be. And how it got there, and and certainly um, when when I'm looking at what's going down and coming down in the in that country, um, it didn't have to happen the way it happened. And and even though when we look at how you know even when we look at uh, last day scenarios, oftentimes it's just God telling us what He has already seen is going to happen. That this is the scenario, this is the way it will come down. It's not God saying, I'm going to make it happen this way. You see? But I do believe that God's ultimate goal, and, and this is just mine on this, on, on this, uh, this other point. Um, I believe that our world is set up in a way that the most people that could be saved will be saved. That's, that's my view on this. And, and I get it, actually. I believe I got a good foundation for it in Scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, it says this, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. And this is it. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So the will of the Lord is everybody would be saved. You say, well, then why isn't everybody saved? Because the will of the Lord is that he desires that everybody be saved, but he also desires that everybody make a choice. That, that there's free will. Without free will, there's no love. 
And a world without love is not a world that God wants to be involved in. God created us so that there could be love. And without free will, there is no such thing as love. And so this is what I believe. I believe God has, like, if, if there were, you know, an infinite amount of universes, and I know that's the fantasy of some who are trying to make an excuse for a God who created our universe. So you kind of, like, we know the universe was created at some point. It's not infinite. And so if that's the case, there had to be a being big enough, powerful enough that made that happen. And it only, you know, and there's no, and there's no indication it happened more than once. And so um, the fantasy workers um, say, well, there was multiple universes, but there's no scientific evidence for that at all. So I'm getting on a tangent, and you want to know how does it connect with Bible prophecy. And I want you to, I, I'm telling you ahead of time, we're, as we're going to, we're heading there, um, that what has happened in Afghanistan not only should be predictable if you know what is going to happen in the end times, but what is happening in Afghanistan is and is probably the one of the most crucial things. And I'm talking about the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. It's one of the crucial things that we would see in Bible prophecy that is getting us closer to um, the coming of the Lord. And, and I hope that excites you. I mean, I know um, there are people who don't like it when I talk about end time stuff because they get nervous. Um, and I just try to, try to pound into our hearts and minds. When Jesus comes back, that's going to be the greatest day of your life. When Jesus comes back, that will be the best day you've ever had. And I hope you, you get that in your heart because that's the reality. You don't need to fear the coming of the Lord and, uh, and the things that are, are happening. What, what we're seeing in, um, in Afghanistan among Christian believers there is phenomenal. We're actually seeing in some ways a, kind of a picture of what will happen in the last days um, toward the end in the, uh, under the empire of the Antichrist and uh, it was going to take place there. But um, in, in Afghanistan right now, I mean, there, there are, what, what you're hearing on the news about what our government is doing and bringing people home and, uh, and the pathetic effort, effort of doing that, not by the soldiers, but by the people organizing um, there are other people knowing that have gone in. And we have, there are quite a few, actually, organizations that have found their way into Afghanistan to help pull out people, um, particularly Christians, and then those, um, you know, and Americans, and those Afghans who even, uh, even taking out Afghans that are desperate to get out because they're not the radical, they're not radical, and they want out of the country. And that, some of that is happening. Um, and I know... Um, Glenn Beck had an organization that was doing that. Some of you probably read about that, and they got thousands out. Now it seems like that shut down. But there is an underground railroad kind of system that is going on, and Afghans are getting out. Christians are getting out. Some are not. Some have been martyred. And uh, I heard of, it was just heartbreaking, I heard of a recording. Someone was, you know, a Christian in Afghanistan knew that they were coming after them and the family was praying and they had this incredible over, you know, just this a presence of Jesus as they were praying 
and the, the sense of peace, and you could hear it. And the children were saying, we're not, we're not denouncing Jesus. We're, we, we are, we'll die, you know, for the name of Jesus. And, uh, and then you hear, the, you know, they come through the door, and they come in and take them. And, uh, and, and they're walking through this with such uh, courage and faith in Christ as it's happening and the phone is still on and uh, the person on the other end is recording it and you you're, you're, you're seeing that but what you're also not hearing in the news is that there are Christians uh, you know many um, Afghans, many Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years what has happened is there's been soldiers there that were Christians and shared their faith, and that has been shared. And because of the ability to get there and, and, uh, and not you know, kind of take the risk, there have been missionaries that have been there sharing the gospel. So there are Muslims who have come to Christ now that are in Afghanistan, and they're the ones that so many are you know, frantically trying to get out. We want to get them out as much as possible. And, uh, but while, while there's groups of people getting people out, there's also people trying to get into Afghanistan and are getting into Afghanistan. And you would think, why would anybody want to do that? And there are Christians going into Afghanistan so they can share the gospel. The, the news I got was of, of the Christians in Afghanistan... 30% don't want to leave. I would think, I, I want out. 30% don't want to leave. They're willing to give up their life to continue to share the gospel in their country. That's amazing. You know what the Bible says about those people? The, the Bible talks about those who lay down their life like that. It says the, the, they're the ones that the world is not worthy of. And I believe that's true. The world is not worthy of that. So what I want to share is uh, I want to share with you what's happened in Afghanistan with the Taliban takeover could not only be predicted from Scripture, but it shows us that we're in a very close time frame for the coming of the Lord, that, that we're getting closer because of this event that most people are just, we just miss it. We don't even see what's going on. And the only reason you can see it is if you really understand the dynamics, not only of the nations that are going to come against it, but, you know, understanding biblical prophecy and understand the nations that are coming against Israel, but also understand the, the, um, the, the, the makeup of the Antichrist kingdom. The Antichrist kingdom. Now, in, in order to do that, I, I want to give you kind of an overview, simple, a simple overview to kind of start us. And I know many of you um, who study this and study your Bible and been Christian for years, this is stuff you really know well and, and so forth. But um, for the rest of, you know, the rest of us here, here that um, 
we are, don't have a real hold of the end time scenario and how it happens. I'm just going to give you a real quick overview before we go further. And then it will make more sense. It's also going to connect those of you who are real Bible thumpers um, that you have, when, when we get through it, I'm going to pull out stuff and then it's going to come back. So don't close off there and all this stuff. All right? Um, before Jesus returns, all the nations, the Bible says, will hear the gospel. That, that's going to happen. And there's, there's a dynamic scenario that the Bible tells us about that we can anticipate is going to happen at the end times. We know that before Jesus returns, there's going to be a seven-year period called, uh, some, called the, the tribulation period is one of the ways it's called. It's the seventh week of Daniel. But whatever it is, it's seven years in which um, a lot of things happen toward end times. And it's divided in half. So three and a half years and then another three and a half years. Different things happen in the first three and a half more drastic things happen in the last three and a half. And it's divided up by a world leader who rises up to power, who um, is referred to as the Antichrist. There's a lot of names for him, um, but um, he's kind of more commonly known as the Antichrist. He's going to be a, a world, I say a world leader, not the world leader. There's a real misunderstanding about that. He's not the only leader. He's not the ruler of the world. He is a ruler of ten nations. He conquers three, and seven align themselves with him. So he, this world leader is going to rise up. He's going to have a ten-nation confederacy of arm, an army of, of nations that are going to be aligned with him. Um, and then... He is going to, uh, in, in the middle of this seven-year period, this world leader is going to, um, he's going to go into the temple of Israel and, um, and he is going to um, commit abomination, as the Bible refers to. It's called the abomination of desolation. So, um, that's kind of he, he, what he's known for. He's, um, he, he also, there's also in this scenario a second person. There's actually three main characters in the end times, you know, the, uh, event that are the main characters. And the Antichrist is one of them. A second person is called, is referred to as the false prophet. Um, the false prophet is a religious leader that rises up and demands worship and allegiance to the Antichrist. So the Bible tells us this. There's going to be this Antichrist rise up, 10-nation confederate. There's going to be this false prophet going to rise up. He's going to have a certain amount of power. He's going, to, he's going to be the sidekick, if you were, of the Antichrist. He's going to require people and demand people. He's going to have a power. He's going to have authority. And, uh, and he's going to require people to bring, to worship the Antichrist and to give allegiance to the Antichrist. This uh, false prophet's going to have supernatural powers. So 
he's going to do something, some miracles that is going to cause people to get, give allegiance to the Antichrist because of, um, of, of this false prophet. And uh, he's going to deceive a, a lot of people all over the world uh, to believe in the, uh, the Antichrist. And uh, not everybody's going to follow, not even close. Um, the false prophet um, will, though, uh, convince a lot of people. He'll confirm a covenant. And the Bible uses this term over and over again. And uh, it's pretty significant. It seems like a minor thing. But the Antichrist has, um, confirms a covenant. There's a covenant made with Israel. And it's, it's confirming a covenant. In other words, the covenant has already been made. Now, the Antichrist is confirming it for seven years. So it seemed like there was a, uh, a covenant of peace, a peace covenant with Israel. And now he confirms that peace covenant with Israel. Now, here's what the Bible does. It gives us these scenarios. It tells us what's happening. And then there's gaps. And in the gaps, you know, you try to figure out what's the gap. Well, one of the gaps is that he's going to confirm a peace covenant for seven years. You wonder, why is he confirming a peace covenant? What does your mind go to? Well, they must have had a war. They must have had conflict for them to have a peace. So you figure out, is there going to be a conflict before, you know, this seven-year period when he signs this, this treaty? So it also means, if he's confirming a covenant, that he's already a leader at the, at the beginning of the seven years. He's a leader of some sort. We don't know what level, and we don't know if he's already got the ten nations yet. He's definitely got some power. But his power increases what we do know as we read the scripture after three and a half years. And then Satan enters him, and he has a supernatural power in the last days coming from Satan himself. He becomes not demonized, Satanized. Okay? So... Um, he confirms his covenant, and then he breaks the covenant in three and a half years. That's what we talked about, right? He breaks the covenant. He goes in, and he he does he he goes and and it's not with his army yet. But he, what he does, it looks like it's a, probably a religious trek to, um, to to get to the 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 dome of the rock. I believe, but he gets to, to go to, uh, to Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, and he goes into the temple, the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount, which is not in existence right now, and he, um, he declares himself to be God, and he desecrates the temple. And the, the, he had agreed to the Jews then beginning their sacrifice again, on the Temple Mount, and he cuts it short. He cuts it off and says, they, and, and goes against that. It seems like that's the beginning of um, an attempted conquest over all of Israel by the Antichrist. At some point, he makes war with Israel. He marches his army to Jerusalem, killing Jews and Christians along the way, and he conquers half the city. Half the city is conquered. He's still moving forward, and Jesus returns. It comes to the end of the seven-year period, 
and Jesus returns. And he returns on a white horse, remember that? As seen by all in the sky, comes to Jerusalem and meets the, the massive army in the valley of Megiddo, the Antichrist army in the valley of Megiddo, and he destroys them all, and the Antichrist, and the Antichrist false, false prophet. That is very simple, obviously. A quarter of the Bible is prophecy, so there's so much more. But what we're giving is just kind of a picture, an overview of what's going to happen in the last days, in the last seven years. There's things that, you know, we don't have time to, we'd have to teach. When we do a good teach, we're going to do a teaching on the book of Revelation, verse by verse. And you'll, you'll get all of this as we do that. But, but for now, that's our, 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 our overall view. Now, there's, and I didn't do this at the beginning, but I want to give credit to um, Joel Richardson and, uh, and, and uh, Phineas Dake, two men. One, Joel is still, he's a young man, still alive. I give, his book, The, uh, the, the uh, Islamic Antichrist, um, is very influential in my life and understanding because of a reading, some readings that I had when I was a young Christian from a man named Phineas Dake. Phineas Dake was, had been a Mormon that got converted to Christianity. He was a phenomenal man, memorized the Bible. He, uh, his, he, he, has a Bible, he had a Bible. I don't know if you can still get it. Someone said they could actually still get it. probably cost a fortune. Now, it's not in print. But um, it's, uh, you know, he, all his study works. He, he, but way back before people were actually talking. And when people are filling in the gaps, that's where the mistakes may happen. You, you know what Bible says going to happen, and then people fill in the gaps that aren't there. And it ends up that that's where, that's where the mistakes happen. People go, well, they said this was going to happen, and this, so the Bible's wrong. No, no, the Bible, they just fill the gap, and they fill the gap wrong. You know, Bible said this is going to happen, and they filled in what was going to take place, just like we just did. We filled the gap, you know, he made a covenant, so we assume there's going to be war. Now, we can't know for sure there's going to be war. So you try to fill the gaps with things, but, um, but they fill the gaps. And what happened is, but, but uh, when I read this in the 70s, it was not accepted or even thought of. And today... Most of the, you know, you, you look at much of the uh, end times theologians, they would agree with what Phineas Dake taught. And, uh, and so, and, and you're wondering, what is it that he taught? Well, those of you who've been around for a while, you probably remember Bible teachers saying that there's going to be a 10-nation confederacy in Europe, and it's going to rise up and an antichrist is going to probably come up out of like the new age movement and, and they're going to rise up and people are going to follow and pretty soon, you know, the, the, the nation, the confederacy, well, there started with, a, you know, a three nation confederacy that grew, grew. It actually outgrew the 10 nation in, 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 uh, in Europe. The problem was, the problem was the reason that they were saying that a 10-nation confederacy is going to rise up because we know the Antichrist is going to have a 10-nation confederacy. And their assumption was that it was out of the old Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was not the last major empire. 
there's going to be a resurgence of an empire, a resurgence of an empire. And they were thinking that the Roman Empire is going to resurge. Well, it wasn't. We filled in the, they filled in the gap wrong. We know there's going to be a 10 nation confederacy, but the gap isn't going to be Europe. The gap is the nations around Israel because they're the nations. The Bible clearly says the nations that surround Israel will be the ones that will attack Israel. So what's the, what's, what, where's the miss? Well, Phineas Dake says it's going to be the Muslim nations. And he saw the battles in Daniel chapter 11 and came to the conclusion that the Antichrist is going to be a Muslim probably coming out of somewhere near Syria or Turkey. Because Turkey has now taken part of Syria that was years ago would be considered Syria. I believe the Antichrist will come out of Turkey. I'm filling in a gap, just letting you know. Okay. But what we, we do know is that the Antichrist kingdom is from the nations that surround Israel, and every one of them is Muslim. Every one of them is Muslim. And I'm going to take you why this is important. But what, what, this is what I want you to see. Since those Muslim nations are coming out, are, are going to be part of the Antichrist kingdom, then my assumption is that the Antichrist is Muslim. If they're going to follow a religious leader and they're Muslim, my assumption is the Antichrist kingdom will be Muslim and the Antichrist will be a Muslim. Now, it so happens that Islam has their prophecy. The Bible has its prophecy, but Muhammad, 500 years after Jesus, I mean, he was starting his own thing, his own religion, and he, he pulled, he knew stuff from the Bible, he knew the Bible, and he pulled stuff from the Bible oftentimes that is the exact opposite of what the Bible says. So, I believe, I believe the Quran was satanically inspired. He got this message that he got. He, in fact, didn't trust it at first. He didn't get it like a Christian would get hearing from God. He got it completely like, uh, you know, a soothsayer would get it. And he got, he got these words that came to him, and he wrote down. And then, then they also took his verbal words, the things that he didn't write down, and and there is a theology, if you would, if we could use that term, there is a view that Muslims have of how the end times will work. And it's extremely interesting. Because in the Bible, there are three characters that are our main characters, right? You have the Antichrist, you have the false prophet, and you have Jesus. In Islam, there's three characters. Also, they, they, have, they have the Mahdi, Isa, and what they call the false Messiah. And they're the, it's, if you take the Bible and switch it upside down, that's what you got. And I'm going to show it to you, but I'm going to show you why 
what's happening right now in the Middle East, what's happening in Afghanistan is crucial for what they want to do in attacking Israel, and it's gonna, it's, we're watching it happen right in front of us. So let me just give you some quick things about the Islamic Antichrist. His name is the Mahdi, and, uh, and there's other names for him too, but Al-Mahdi, um, and, there, and, and, and it just simply means the guided one. And so he's also referred to as the Lord of the Age or the Awaited Savior. And uh, according to the chairman of, of the Islamic Supreme Council of, in America, he says this, the coming of the Mahdi is established doctrine for both Sunni and Shia Muslims and indeed for all humanity. In other words, he says, this is what Muslims believe. You, you know, I'm sure there are some Muslims that don't, but they're rare. I mean, this is what, if, if you would say, this is what Christians believe. Christians believe Jesus is coming back. You'd go, yeah, that's, Christians believe that. Now, we, we have different ways in which we interpret how that's going to happen. And, uh, and certainly, uh, a lot of Christians don't really know about the coming, uh, of, of anything about the coming of the Lord. They're, they're kind of, you know, yeah, Jesus is coming, and that's the most they know. But there are some, a lot of Christians that just are waiting for his coming. They're, they have hope of his coming. They, they know about it. They've read, you know, books, in, you know, books of the Bible. They've read Re- Revelation and Daniel, and they know what the Bible says about his coming. And they're, they're kind of aware of that. But not all Christians have that. Same thing in Islam. Now, this is what they believe. And then there are those, a lot more that are, you know, sincere about their understanding and belief of the coming of the Mahdi, and they are sold out and, and are doing everything to make it happen. And I say that because there's a different view about how they view end times things than we do. As Christians, we kind of sit back and wait, yeah, Jesus come back. Okay, let's just, you know, just keep doing what you're doing because Jesus come back and we're waiting for Jesus to come back. In Islam... You don't just wait for the Mahdi to come in anticipation, but you actually participate. You try to make that happen. And if, 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 the, you know, if Islam says this is what's going to happen, then what you do is, well, if you can participate and you can help that happen further along, then you're going to do that. And that's actually what's happening now. So there is a difference in the way that they approach it. We're going to make it happen. And I, I'm telling you this because um, Jesus, when you read the Bible, you can see that Jesus knew everything that we're going to do and that he gave us ahead of time. So Christians will understand, but Muslims will be lost unless, and, and what they'll be doing is they will, in fact, be joining the Antichrist kingdom and fully believing they're walking in the truth. Now, Islam, this is Islam's Messiah is the Mahdi, and um, the the rising of this uh, of the Mahdi um, is a is a at the time of the coming of Jesus Christ, right before, and the Mahdi is believed to be uh, a, not only a world leader for Muslims but non-Muslims as well. That he is that there's going to be uh, a, a power play to cause others to come and follow the Mahdi. Now, 
there's a, there's a, um, a, an ascendancy of power that Muslims believe. And when I say Muslim, I'm just talking about those who believe in, you know, understand what's going on. They, they believe that there's going to be an army from the east carrying black flags or banners of war that the Mahdi is going to join into. So there's this army of soldiers that are going to have one of their, their identifiers is they wear, they're going to be carrying black flags with written on it, Allah is, is, is our God and, and Muhammad is, our, is, is the, his prophet. And so, as they, they carry these, they are going to go to war. Now, this is what they're anticipating. They're looking for that to happen. And, and what this does, this is going to tell us why Afghanistan is so important. Because the Afghanistan, in fact, there's a, did you know that that um, the Taliban actually have a um, a Twitter account. Our 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 former president can't have a Twitter account, but the Taliban can. And uh, but it's kind of interesting. the The Twitter account for Afghanistan for the Taliban has this writing on it. And Jen, I'm taking you all the way to the end on this. So. Um, it has this writing on it. Black fl- flags will rise from Khorasan and nothing will be able to return them. What? What is that doing on their Twitter account? Well, what you have at the front of your Twitter account is the thing that identifies you, right? And they're, they're identifying themselves as the soldiers of black flags. Now, it says black flags will rise from Khorasan. Now, it's interesting because Khorasan is actually the place that Muhammad said that the army of the black flags will come from. What is Khorasan? Well, the Islamic state of Khorasan province um, has... Um, is Iran and Afghanistan. But in the time of Muhammad, Khorasan was Afghanistan. Afghanistan. And I think it's interesting because this is what one headline wrote. The Islamic State of Khorasan province, ISIS-K, has has claimed responsibility for the deadly attacks outside of Kabul airport that killed at least 175 civilians and, um, and 13 U.S. soldiers and left dozens injured. This is, notice it says ISIS-K. That stands for ISIS-Khorasan. See, they're already identified... We're so distant from that world, we don't understand that one of the prophecies that they've been looking for is that Afghanistan, Khorasan, would be the place where there would be the rising of the soldiers with the flags 
And by the way, ISIS already did this. They tried to do it in, um, you know, in, in the, before they were, you know, kind of annihilated out of Iraq. But, um, but they're rising up again in Afghanistan. So they're looking for this prophecy because the Mahdi cannot go and, he, you know, he can't start. He can't start his thing. He can't even, you know, get started until you have the army of the flags from Afghanistan. And now we have a nation, an Islamic nation of radicals. That's what we have. Afghanistan always had radicals in it. Now its full government is radical. Its full government sees themselves as the armies of Khorasan. So they see themselves. Now whether it's true, listen, you, you go, well, you really think that Muhammad prophesied it? It doesn't really matter. If he was prophetically doing it, if Satan was telling ahead of time. What matters is what we know the Bible says is going to happen and we have a billion and a half people who believe that this is going to happen. You know when, when ISIS went into Iraq, did you know that 30,000 young men from around the world flew to, to Iraq to join ISIS? 30,000 young men. I don't know if we get 30,000 young men to join in a a uh, missionary move toward Iraq. But they did that to go to war. Now they have a nation that their prophets say is going to be the nation that is going to, is going to start the army that the Antichrist or the Mahdi is going to join into or the Antichrist is going to join into. And they're looking in advance for that happening. I'm just telling you that things are getting in line exactly as the scripture said. Now I said there were three leaders. The second leader is the false prophet, of course, the Bible talks about. And, and uh, the fact is that they believe, in a, um, they believe in a prophet coming along too. And his name is Isa. Isa, actually, actually his name is Jesus. And when they talk, to, talk in English about it, they talk about Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus, a different Jesus. He's the wrong Jesus, but they believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus was a prophet, the greatest prophet up until, you know, Muhammad. And they believe that Jesus is coming back. And they look for Jesus coming back. In fact, the prophets say that Jesus will come back somewhere in the area of Damascus. And, and he will straighten everything out. He's going to tell Christians they had it wrong. They're worshiping him, but they had it wrong. And they're actually anticipating to find two, um, two uh, an Old Testament and a New Testament scroll that disproves Christianity. And ISIS is going to bring it forth. And ISIS is going to change. In fact, many will, will leave Christianity to follow Islam because ISIS, Jesus, is here to tell them to do so. 
And he will be given, according to Islamic uh, prophets, that he will be given power. And he's going to do supernatural things. But he will be the enforcer for the Mahdi. Like I said, he has a ten-nation confederacy. He does not rule the world, but he will influence the world. You always wonder, you know, when people said, well, the Antichrist is going to come, and then he's going to rule the world, and, you know, the whole world's going to follow him, and they're going to worship him, and, and all of this, and you go, wow, how are you going to get all these people? I mean, did he start off with the Bible study? What's, you know, <laughs> where did all this come from? Well, it makes sense. There's a billion and a half people looking for him. And when the leaders identify him and says he's the Mahdi, then the whole, then a billion and a half, he's got a billion and a half people that are ready to follow him. The Bible calls him, that ISIS, the Muslim Jesus, calls him the false prophet. And then the third person in the Islamic view is, is in fact the, the real Jesus, but they call him the false Jesus, the false Messiah. And, and folks, if you don't, as you can see, I'm going through my notes because I, I, I have to cut a few things, but um, he's called the Dajjal. The Dajjal is Jesus, the one who supports the Christians, the ones who supports uh, the Jews, the one who's coming to, in fact, deceive the world. And they say that their Isa will kill the Dajjal. Now, folks, the, the way it's happening... It just, it's mind-boggling because what you're seeing happen in the Muslim world is alignment with their prophetic and the Bible's prophetic word. So what you're seeing now is a nation rising up or, you know, a nation that is now a Muslim nation that considers themselves to be the army of the Antichrist rising up. You always wonder, like, when they see Jesus coming and they're at war, who would actually think they could beat him? He's coming from the sky, you know, with the, with, with the, 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 the saints, the, the army of saints. Like, wouldn't you just go fall down? God, it's wrong, Jesus, sorry. Unless your mind has been taught, you've been taught and brainwashed to believe that the Mahdi is going to destroy Jesus and that you have the right religion and you come against it. That religion, that evil religion that is built on hate, Jesus is going to destroy. But he's going to destroy though all those. The scripture says all those who take the mark of the Mahdi, of the beast. And, um, and that army that comes against Jesus. He, Satan has had this plan to just try to destroy Israel. He hates Israel. He hates the Christians. Isn't it interesting? Israel's been the center. Ju Jerusalem's been the center for all these years. 
that when the Taliban gets some freedom to get out there and talk, you know what they talk about? How they're going to march into Jerusalem to destroy. And they will, but not fully. The Bible says they will march into Jerusalem and take half the city. And Jesus is coming. After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the stars of heaven will shine, and you'll see the appearing of the Son of God coming from the clouds, the sky. And he's coming back. How long do you think, now, now that this is all coming together, how long do you think until the, the Antichrist shows up? Don't know. I can fill in the gap soon. Soon. He's coming soon. It'll be the best day of your life. I hope you're looking forward to it. Don't know when. Hey, let's keep looking up. Let's keep, keep our hearts in the right place. Let's keep rejoicing in Jesus because we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. Everything is coming together as the Bible said it would. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, we come before, before you. Lord, your word is trustworthy. And... Lord, as we see these things, I, I think sometimes, Lord, as we see these things happen, it's surreal to us. It just, it's, it just is so, it's, it's so real and right in front of us, and we're seeing things happen that, Lord, we wouldn't have any way of connecting those things except your word is so clear. And uh, so, Father, I pray. I pray. I, I, I believe that there's some people right now hearing this teaching right now, in, either in, in this room or watching online, and you are far from God. And this kind of shakes you a little bit, and I want you to know why. Because you're either for him or you're against him. And you have to make a choice. Jesus, the lover of your soul, does not desire anyone to perish. He made a way. He made the ultimate sacrifice for you. He proved his love for you. But you have to choose him. You have to accept his free gift of love and salvation. And you just need right now just to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to follow you. I pray you'll help me, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.
nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the bones of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The trees of your glory. For you are raised to life again. Oh, you have no. Silence the 